What is up, Salt Company? How are we doing, Salt Minneapolis? Doing? Love to hear it. So my name is Drake, and it is a joy to be with you all tonight. So I am the Salt Director at Salt St. Paul. We've got our new shirts in that I'm very excited about. So if you want one of those, go to Salt City on Sunday. You can get yourself one. But guys, I want to start off by saying thank you to, to Salt Minnesota, Minneapolis, to you all for the prayers that you have had and, and for the support that you guys have given us when we are starting off Salt St. Paul. So guys, I, I just want to make sure to say thank you for all that you've done. And guys, I am so excited. We're gathering with you guys on the fall retreat. So it's going to be one big family celebration. We're going to say what was like goodbye to homework for the weekend, I think it was. And then we're going to worship Jesus. And I've already been pumping up the dance to our crew. So you guys better bring it. Um, but tonight, we're wrapping up our foundations series. So you guys have gone over who is God? Who is man? Walking through who is Jesus? And now tonight we're going to walk through what is the hope that we have in Christ? And so you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians 2, and we're going to uh, get started here in a little bit. But the big idea of tonight is that we are made alive in Christ. That only in Christ are we going to find life. But here's the problem. We chose to run away from him. We, we chose to run away from the source of life himself. And in our culture now, there's this idea that truth is determined by whoever's deciding it. Like what is true for you is true for me, for you. And what's true for me is true for me. And no one can really step on those, step on my toes in that. You can't confront me in that because what's true for me is true for me. But what happens when we, who are determining what truth is, are incredibly broken? In Ephesians 2, it is going to address why we are not able to choose what will bring us life and what will bring us joy. So let's go ahead and turn there. Ephesians 2, verse 1. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Our first point tonight is that we are dead in sin. Like, why does the Bible use such harsh language to describe where we're at? Like, to say that we are completely dead in sin, because you're probably like, Drake, I, I mean, to be honest, I feel like I'm not that bad of a person. Like, this world is incredibly broken around us. But when I compare myself to it, I feel like there's a big gap. Like, I feel like I'm not that bad but the Bible is actually going to give us a very real look into the brokenness that we have in our heart. A very real explanation to it. And the Bible would say, though we are living physically, our souls are dead. Like, the longings of our souls are dead. Why is that the case? So the Bible is clear that we were made 
to be in the presence of God and to enjoy life with him. And then when we sinned, we were separated from his presence completely. So that now, the source of life, we are unable to experience it on our own because we have separated ourselves. The compass of our heart is now broken to where it was designed to know exactly where to find life, where to find joy in God himself. Yet now we are confused to think that things of this world are actually going to satisfy us. We are now led as it says in the text, that we are led by our passions. And what that means is, another word for it, is that the lust of our hearts, like that is what we are led by. And when we are led by that, we are completely, we are only chasing after temporary pleasures, but we're hoping that they have eternal significance. We're hoping that the temporary of this world will give us eternal satisfaction. And so I want you to look at your own life. Like how many of you in this room think that if you had this guy or if you had this girl in your life or if you watched this next video online that it would deal with the brokenness of your loneliness? That the approval that you're longing for, that the acceptance that you want, that they would actually solve the problem. But here's the thing, yet we look back and realize the last one didn't do it for us either. Or you'll quickly find out, because we have the term honeymoon phase for a reason, that when you get close to someone, you realize, wow, this person isn't perfect. Like they're a little more messed up than I thought they were, and they will not satisfy you like you thought they would. Or maybe it's alcohol that you're pursuing to ease your mind. And in your thoughts, you're like, man, maybe this will help me have a little bit of fun and let me forget about all of the brokenness that I have in my life. But the reality is that it makes it even more complicated because it actually doesn't deal with the brokenness in your heart at all. Or it could be, I need to do better on this next test and then I'll get the status that I long for. Then I'll get the approval from my parents or from my peers. But there is always going to be another test and another test and another way that you will have to prove yourself that you will fall short in that. And then what happens? Or for thinking, man, I need something. I need to buy something else to make me happy. Well, the funny thing is that everything that we currently own are things that we once thought we needed to be happy. And yet we still find ourselves hopeless. And everything that we pursue in this life is going to continually remind us over and over how it cannot provide the life that we thought it would. So some of you might be in here and you're like, Drake, that's great, but I feel like I'm having an amazing life. Like, I feel like I'm having a ton of fun right now. I look at people in the world who are full of power, they have the money and the riches and the joy and they aren't following Christ. Like I want to, to just live it up and experience the joys and the pleasures that the college experience has. Like I wanna just live, ha have a ton of fun. And as the song says, I wanna be young and wild and free. Like that is my anthem, that is what I'm pursuing. 
and I'm having a great time. But guys, what, what Paul, and all of you guys are saying through it in your mind right now, but what Paul is trying to say right here is he's trying to show us something out of love. Paul is going to be telling us that there will be a day that God will make everything good and right and true. That he will take the things of this world that we love, that bring joy to our life, and he will perfect them. But in order to do that, in order to make everything perfect, he has to get rid of the evil and brokenness that exists in this world. That means the world and the people who disobey God and pursue after the world. The evil that's in us, he has to do away with in order to make a world where everything is perfect and good. And verse 3 tells us that the result of running after this world is that we become children of wrath. That we experience the wrath of God, not life as this world promises. So guys, imagine with me for a second that we're on a dock and we're standing right next to the beautiful Titanic. And so what I'm actually trying to convince you is that you need to hop a ride on this boat. But the catch is that you guys know what happens to the Titanic. And so I'm telling you, hey, guys, look at this work of art. Like, this boat is amazing. This is the unsinkable ship. And you're like, what's the name of it? Titanic? Okay, I'll pass. I'm good. But then I try to convince you. I'm like, no, you guys don't get it. Like, it is going to have the best food in the world. There are going to be the greatest bands that you can ever hear. There's going to be the most incredible parties and dances, all these things, so many activities, so many people to meet. Guys, you will live it up on this boat. And I'm like, all right, that's kind of convincing. Uh, Let me think about it for a little bit. So you're sitting there pondering, like, do I get on this ship? And then you're like, no, I don't. You're like, Drake, I'm not... You come back to reality, and you're like, Drake, I'm not getting on that boat, man. Like, because I know the only place that boat is heading is to an iceberg. And to be quite frank, I don't want to go there today. So I'm going to pass. And if I asked you, no one in this room would think that's a crazy person. No one would say, why in the world would they not get on that boat? It sounds like it's going to be amazing. Everyone would agree with that person. But guys, the thing is that Satan has been working from the beginning of time to convince people to live it up while they're here on this earth, to live it up while they're here in college, when the only thing that this world will lead you to is to the wrath of God. And the crazy part about it is, that's the path that we chose. That is the path that we thought would actually bring life, to turn away from the source of life and try to find it somewhere else. And so the issue is not, man, the Bible is extremely pessimistic about humanity. The issue is that we don't understand the depth of our brokenness. That he levels the playing field by saying, everyone in this room, that we are all 
children, we were all children of wrath. Whether you grew up in the church or you experienced a life in brokenness, like we are all on a level playing field of being dead in our sin. And if that's the case, who are we to think, man, I need to clean my act up before I come to God? Like, I need to maybe stop swearing, stop drinking, stop doing some of those things. Or I need to start coming to church more often. Then maybe I can jump all in. But guys, how, how foolish does that sound when we realize that we are completely dead in our sin? Like, we are as likely to make our way back to God as someone in a grave is going to pop right out of it. But if that is the state of our brokenness, how are we supposed to experience life with God again? Let's look back at the text. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Our second point is that we are alive in Christ. That though this is who you were, though this is what you brought to the table, that is not where you have to stay. That the mercy of God is far greater than any sin we bring to the table. That our sin makes us unable to come to God on our own. But what does the text say? That God had to be the one that made us alive with Christ. And now we look at the story of Jesus, that he rose from the grave, and we can know with certainty that we can now experience life as well. Like some of you are sitting here saying like, I feel like my sin disqualifies me from being brought into a relationship with God. Like Drake, if you knew about my brokenness, if you knew what I even did this past weekend, you would know that I have no place being with God. Because what the Bible and what the gospel shows is that our sin is what qualifies us to be recipients of God's mercy. That we ourselves get to be brought into the love of God because of his grace, not because of our story. And the reality is that there is no sin so great that there is no person too far gone who can't be brought back into a relationship with God. Because Jesus covered it all. Though we were the children of wrath, though we were the ones who were disobedient and running after the pleasures of this world, God sent his own son, his own child, to be the recipient of his wrath so that we didn't have to. And the gospel is the only description of how is our brokenness dealt with. Because we realize that 2,000 years ago, our brokenness was already dealt with on the cross. That the evil that exists in our heart and the punishment that was due for it, Jesus took that punishment completely for us. He became sin so that we didn't have to. Guys, the the incredible part, if you look back at the first chunk of text that we read through, is that for those of you who are in Christ, everything is described in the past tense. 
Like it says that you were slaves to this world. You were following the course of the prince of the powers of the air, Satan himself, that you were following after your passions. But the reality is that that is not who you are anymore. That there is a new life that has been restored to you that is actually allowing you to operate as the people we were made to be, which is experiencing life with God. That we could actually be fully human again where we walk with God. We can be ourselves again for the very first time. So one of the, one of the most devastating scenes in a movie of all time, I would say, is in Space Jams when the NBA players lose their talent. Um, heartbreaking. Because uh, you see Charles Barkley make his way to a park, and he's like, hey, I'm going to ball with some people. They're like, oh, my goodness, Charles Barkley's here. Like, let's have him play. And then he, he tries to play, doesn't do really well at all, and they literally give this line that just makes your heart sink. It's like, you're not Charles Barkley. You're just a wannabe that looks like him. Be gone. And so then he just kind of mopes off, cue the sound of music, and he wanders away from the court, And what happened in that moment is that Charles Barkley was not playing like Charles Barkley does. Like his talent had been removed and he was unable to be himself. He was walking around, but he was not able to be himself. But then, guys, it builds up to the crescendo of the movie where they take out those little aliens and then they get the talent back in the ball. If you haven't seen it, it's probably confusing. But Charles puts his hand back on the ball. And he is restored of his talent. And so now Charles Barkley is able to play like Charles Barkley does. He was able to be himself again. And you're probably wondering, man, how does Space Jams connect with anything Drake's been talking about? The reality is that Jesus, when he was raised to new life, actually restored us of the life that we were designed to have. That we are truly able to experience life again like we were created to do. Truly experiencing life that satisfies us. We are able to be ourselves again. Truly experiencing life not only physically but also in the deepest parts of our soul. And so what does it look like being, exper- being restored to life? What does that look like in our every every day? Well, guys, the reality is that there was a time where we had no other opportunity but to sin. Like we knew it was bad for us. We knew it was destructive for us, but we chose to do it anyway. It made me think of those like 10 to 15 seconds that you have between a Netflix show. We're like, man, I really shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna watch it. Like I'm going to let it continue to go I'm going to stay on this couch. Blacklist is just too entertaining. So we constantly chose it, though we knew it was destructive. Guys, a a large, and just to share share with you a little bit about my story, a large part of my life, ever since the fourth grade, is when I was introduced to pornography, and I, I realized that that quickly became an addiction in my life. That day after day, I was, my mind was trying to convince me that this is where you find life. That this is where you find satisfaction. That this is where you find approval. But guys, 
Like we all know that that's not true. That's what it's promising, but it, it only brings brokenness. Like if you look at the studies, it says that it brings about anxiety and depression and actually a lack of passion to pursue and go after life. That is what it brings, and not even to mention the hurt that is felt in the industry, the way that it affects the way we look at other people. And guys, as I was wrestling with this, even after coming to know Jesus for a long time, I felt like I was still enslaved to this sin. Like I, I felt like there was this chain around my ankle and I didn't even notice that the latch had been unlocked. I didn't even notice that Jesus has already freed me to run away from this sin in my life. And the reality for those who are alive in Christ is that now, Christ is in your heart. Christ was in my heart and he now can provide me his strength to defeat this sin. That now in my own brokenness and temptation, I get the joy of running to him to depend on him. The one who conquered death, the one that conquered the grave and the one that's able to conquer the sin in my life. I can walk forward confidently knowing that Jesus is going to do an amazing work by defeating this on my behalf. But guys, also, when you come to see the beauty of Jesus, you realize that he is actually the true source of satisfaction and approval that you've been looking for all along. That this following Christ is not, hey, stop doing this thing. It's look how much more I have in store for you in Christ. And that is what we get the joy of running after now. And though it was, was and still is a process for me, I now know who I'm walking with. And I now know where true life is actually found. And so in the day-to-day -day battles, I don't have to waste time trying to get through it on my own, but I can run immediately to Jesus and ask for his help because he is in my heart. And if you have put your faith in Christ, he is in your heart as well. Because I want to ask, what is it for you? Like, what is the one thing that you feel like you need in order to be happy in this life? What is the one thing that takes up a lot of your thoughts, a lot of your attention, and you feel like that is what you desperately need to find joy? Or what is the hope that you've created for your future that you think, I need that to happen in order to be happy? Guys, I, I want you to know that the promises of this world will never come through with their word. They will always fall short. And that Jesus is offering you life that truly satisfies to the deepest parts of your soul. That you don't have to go, continue running after counterfeits of life in this world, but you can go to the source of life which is God himself. But now I feel like there's a question that came up in my mind of like, how do we know that we're going to be with God for eternity? Like I've been following Jesus for a while now. And, and if anything, I've learned so much more about more brokenness in my heart. 
Like as I'm prepping this sermon, I see so much sin coming to the surface in my own heart. How do I know that I'm going to be able to keep following Jesus the rest of my life? How do I know that this brokenness isn't going to take over and derail my walk with Jesus? It seems far too hard to keep going. But guys, that brings us to point three, that we are seated in heaven. Already, as we look at verse six, when it says that he has made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Because what it's saying is that at the same time that Jesus rose from the grave and made you alive at that moment, he already seated you with him in heaven. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. How, how can that even be? Like, how is that so? The reality is that we already are able to know with certainty, though we are not with God to the full yet, we know we get to enjoy a relationship with him now. And that there will be a day that we will experience him to the full. And so one of my, one of my favorite parts of living in Minneapolis so far is just that there is literally every concert you could imagine that comes through the city. And so, guys, I feel like I need to make, like, a separate budget for, like, concerts now because it's just, like, I mean, Post Malone was here. John Mayer was in town. Ban Camino. Boney Vare's in town tonight. Obviously, we're all pretty busy. You couldn't go to it. But, guys, I just love, like, concerts are in my top 10. Like, my top 10 of life, I just love them. Like, you go, and the music is so loud that you kind of can't hear afterwards, which is a weird way of being amazing. But then, like, there's those moments where everyone is singing every song, every word to the song, and you're just doing this together. Like, I love concerts. And there's a couple that I really wanted to go to. So when we moved here, my wife, Paige, and I got tickets to John Mayer and Ban Camino. Those were the two that I was dying to see. But guys, I was excited about it, but what was the moment that I grew in my excitement more and more? It's when I bought the tickets. It's like when I bought those tickets, I knew I was going to the show. Like I was going to experience the amazement of John Mayer doing all his little riffs on his guitar and his angelic voice. And I knew I was going to rock out with Band Camino. Like I knew it was going to be an incredible experience. My seats were reserved. Guys, what Paul is saying in this text is that because of Jesus, our seats are already reserved for us in heaven. Like a crazy reality that when Jesus shed his blood on the cross, his payment for our sin was him buying our tickets to the kingdom of God, and we can know with certainty that we will be with him. That the brokenness that's in our heart yesterday and today and tomorrow, he dealt with fully on the cross. There is no more brokenness that needs to be dealt with so we can know that we will be with him. Guys, that is a hope that actually comes through with what it promises. That is a hope to a fulfillment of life 
and we can know that we will be there with him. So let's look to that day. Let's turn to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. So it says, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Guys, I love that last part. Like, the one who conquers, this is your heritage. And for those of you who are, have put your faith in Christ to be your Savior, he has welcomed us in to conquering the brokenness in our life. And he's saying, this is what is in store for you. This is the future hope and glory that will be fulfilled for you one day and that you get to experience a glimpse of it right now. Your seats are already reserved for you. We don't have to walk through life like, what if I mess it up? What if I fall short? Because we know that Jesus has already earned it for us. Guys, I want you to take a moment And even in your own mind, just dream through what is heaven going to be like? Like a day when there will be no more sin that takes over our heart. That there will not even be an ounce of pride or selfishness, but that we will give God glory in everything that we do. And when we do that, we will experience joy to the full. There is going to be perfect harmony in every single relationship. That there will no longer be fights. There will no longer be brokenness or tension. There won't be division in groups of people because we will see everybody with the dignity and value and worth that they were given as being an image bearer of God. Guys, words like anxious, and worry and depression won't even be in our vocabulary. Because when we look at our future, it is always going to be an endless increase in joy in whatever we do. That we will be falling more and more in love with God for the rest of eternity, and we will be filled up more and more and more. 
That is what is in store for those of you who have put your faith in Christ. And God is saying, I promise this to you by the blood of my own son. Guys, this world is going to offer us pleasures. This world is going to offer us ways to live it up while we're here, but it will never come through with its promise. It will leave you craving more and more and more where God is saying, I have life for you. And so guys, if, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, I want you to know that, that is something you can do tonight. You don't have to clean up your act at all. You don't have to try to remove some brokenness from your life. You just have to come to Jesus knowing that you are desperate for him to save you, that you are broken and you needed a savior to take your place so that you could be brought back into relationship with God. And when you come to the Father, he's not looking down on you with anger or frustration. The good news and the crazy reality of the gospel is that that is the face he had in looking at his own son so that he could welcome you in with delight. He could welcome you in with open arms of joy and love saying, yes, I have already paid for your brokenness. Come into the family of God. That is all you need to do. And all of this is to show the immeasurable greatness of his kindness. Guys, our brokenness and the extent that Jesus had to go to pay for it is meant for us to say, how amazing is this God? That he has drawn us into relationship with him out of the most unthinkable kindness. And so guys, that is, that is the father that we get to be brought into relationship with. That is the one that we get to worship as a body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I, I feel my own sin and my own brokenness that I, Lord, I fall short of the perfection that you ask for every single day. That I try time and time again to make myself perfect before you. And what really happens is that I'm trying to dig myself out of a hole and I just make it deeper and deeper and I just need to realize that I need you to save me. Jesus, that you provide a hope and a salvation that you will actually come through with. A promise that your word will hold up to. And so God, help us to not run from the source of life but come back in humility saying, Jesus, I need you. I wanna give you my life. And if there's anyone that's in this room, Lord, I pray that you would be with them right now, reminding them that you don't look upon them with frustration or anger, but you look upon them with delight, pleading with them that they would come back to you because you want to be in relationship with them. You want them to experience the life that they were designed to have. Amen.